us online, I would like to welcome you here. Let's go ahead and bow our heads for prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you, dear Lord, so much for this beautiful day that you have given to us. God, thank you for this day and for this time that we have to come and to worship and to praise you. And God, as we praise you this morning, dear Lord, I pray that you would receive it as a sweet incense unto you. Because God, everything that we do and everything that we say is to glorify you and to praise your holy name because of what you have done and who you are and because of what you are going to do for each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to invite each one of y'all to go ahead and to stand as we go into our praise and worship. All right, y'all know this song? I know y'all know this song. So we're going to sing out and sing loud and give glory and praise to God this morning. Darkness. When darkness tries to roll over my bones, when sorrow comes to steal the joy I own, when brokenness and pain is all I There's resurrection power that 
glad our fear is just taken away from us this morning as we give praise and worship to God this morning. I want to start off first before I do anything. I want to introduce my friend over here, Carter. He was able to come out this morning uh, to play drums for us, and he's really, really good, which is awesome. Um, so it definitely adds a different uh, atmosphere. So I pray that you will just, as you lift up, and just give everything that you have this morning as we give honor and glory to praise. Y'all know this next song? So I hope y'all sing out so I can't hear me.
conquered the grave, we come to him in prayer this morning. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much, dear Lord, for this day, and we thank you for this time. God, as we are here and as we have felt your presence, the presence of your mighty spirit, God, we thank you, dear Lord, that he is here with us and that he is moving in and out of us and that he is guiding our steps. And God, as we think about this week that we've had, dear Lord, I pray, God, that your spirit would move within that week. And God, help us to see those things that we would need to see. But God, that he would prepare us for the week that is to come and that he would continue to move and guide us in our lives and transform us into who you need us to be, dear Lord. And that we would be open to your spirit. But God, we would be open to the drawing and to the moving of your spirit. And God, that we would put action to what he is calling us to do. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, I pray, God, for those that have been struggling, dear Lord, that your spirit, dear Lord, that you would give them peace. And God, that you would give them strength and comfort, dear Lord, in their days to come. And God, I pray, dear Lord, for the ones that need a healing touch. God, I pray, dear Lord, that you would touch her. God, I pray that you would touch, touch them. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, I pray, God, that your spirit would move. And, God, that you would give strength where it's needed. And, God, that you would give encouragement where it's needed. And, yes, God, that you would give healing, dear Lord, where it's needed. And peace and comfort and joy. God, we thank you and we praise you, dear Lord, for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. As you can, as you are being seated, so this morning's message is going to be about God's love for us and our love for God. So if you would, if you would join me in turning to the 15th chapter of the Gospel of John. So the 15th chapter in the Gospel of John, and we will go with verse 9. So chapter 15, verse 9. As you're turning there, one of the greatest joys that we have as parents or that 
would actually occur in our lives would be whenever our children would imitate us. Sometimes what they do is funny. I have, uh, you know, a grandson, Talmadge, that uh, lives close enough, and uh, my oldest son, Andrew, sent me a video of Talmadge this week, and Andrew was, I suppose, cleaning up, although I, I think it's kind of hard for me to picture Andrew cleaning up because he really didn't clean up whenever he was a child, so I wouldn't think that he would be cleaning up now, but anyway, he uh, sent us this video, and Talmadge was pulling every book off the shelf. And whenever I saw that video, I just simply texted him back and said, you know, like father, like son, because whenever I would happen to clean the house or do some cleaning up and stuff around the house whenever Andrew was about that age, he did exactly the same thing. He made a bigger mess as I was trying to clean up, so I had to continue to clean up his mess so, you know, consequently, I never really got to cleaning up the house because I was cleaning up his mess. But I also noticed that Talmadge does some other things. Uh, so Andrew and Sarah, they have iPhones or uh, iWatches. So Talmadge will sit there and, and he'll just simply do this number. He'll just be standing there and he'll do this number for you to see his iWatch that he doesn't have, but it's something that his mom and dad does all the time. They're like, you know, looking. So he is beginning to mimic them in that aspect. And as parents, we take joy in those things, right? Uh, you know, they do something. We're like, hey, I do that, or I used to do that. Sometimes they're hilarious, right? You have this. Uh, you know, people will put out there on Facebook. Uh, you know where. There, you know, where this young girl is, uh, you know, baking cookies, just like her mom bakes cookies. Uh, you know, how many of you dads have had your son to be cutting the yard, and you're like, "Wow, uh, you know, that's how I do it." Uh, it I, I think back, and uh, you know, as I'm standing here talking to you tonight, I had issues. I, I bought a new helmet, and I bought a new intercom system to go with that helmet for my motorcycle. And I was having troubles getting the intercom system to, to, you know, to, to work on the helmet. I couldn't get it to stay on the helmet. And I remembered how patient my dad was in making sure that the screws just lined up before you started to screw them in to make sure that you didn't mess things up. And at that particular point in time, I got this light and I shined the light on it really bright and I got my reading glasses so that I could really see, well my magnifying glasses so I could see really good and you know and I just remembered that about my dad and how he was so meticulous in some of those things. We do a lot of things like that but one of the things in the ways that we are able to mimic or imitate uh, you know someone is by spending a lot of time with them. The more that we spend time with them, the more of their traits or the more of them that we pick up. And it's great that, you know, for parents as they see their, you know, their child do things that they do. But, man, I don't think anything tops whenever you see your child as an adult now doing things that your family used to do. 
family traditions, especially around Christmas time and around Thanksgiving and, and even Easter. Uh, you know, and how difficult was it this year at Easter time not to come to church? You know, those were those things that we did as, as a family. And I remember, and I'm going to deviate just a little bit here because this really speaks out to me because I remember as a child growing up in church and, and I often say and have said that, you know, that I'm a drug baby. Not that I took drugs as a baby and not that I was given that many drugs as a baby, but I was drugged to church. I mean, I was at church Sunday morning. I was at church Sunday night. I was at church Wednesday night. If there was a youth event on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I, you know, I was there. I was always in church. Matter of fact, high school, we didn't have games scheduled for Wednesdays. We didn't have any tournaments or anything that was scheduled for Sundays. If we didn't have sports or if we couldn't schedule sports in between the time frame of as far as church, we didn't have it. But nowadays you find that there are sporting events that go on throughout the week regardless of what church is doing. And now we see more and more churches not having Sunday night services. And we see more and more churches not doing Wednesday night services. Because people are not going there. And why are they not going there? I believe because we have shown to them that church on Wednesday nights and Sunday nights is not that important. I can get all the God that I need on Sunday mornings. I don't have to go back Sunday night. I can watch, uh, you know, Sunday night football. Uh, you know, golf. Normally, whenever there's a golf tournament on, it doesn't go off until 6 o'clock. You know, they're through with that. There's always something for us to do during the church hours. So, therefore, church, and not only church, but God, has become non-important to us. So, we we've begin to kind of deviate from that. Now, I'll get off my soapbox, and I'll go back into helping us to understand this joy that we have from our children, uh, you know, imitating us. And what a great joy that it is for your children to imitate you by going to church. But not only by going to church, but imitate you by having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And being able to watch that relationship develop. The thing about it is, is that for us... We have all of this down. We have the, the Word of God in the New Testament. And we have the life and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But in the biblical days, they didn't have this true picture of who God was because of the broken relationship. Now, they had pieces of the puzzle. They had parts of the Old Testament that talked about God and they had those books of the Pentateuch that told them how they were supposed to live and, and gave them the law and told them about God creating the heavens and the earth and how the Israelites traveled through Exodus and traveled through the, you know, through the wilderness. They, they had those. They heard the prophets and they heard the judges and you know talking about God and about his judgment and how he needed them to turn back to him, but they didn't have the full picture. 
And it's pretty difficult, and I imagine it was really difficult for them back in those days to, to put all the pieces together as far as the relationship that God truly had for them and what he wanted for them to have. But we find here in today's passage of Scripture that not only does Jesus show us, but Jesus demonstrates to us the relationship that God truly has for us in John's chapter 15, verses 9 through 17. So if you turn there, I want you to see this, and I want you to understand that you know, that Jesus is in what he is showing to us. In the first part of John chapter 15, we have this subtitle as Jesus is the vine. And as all analogies have their limitations, this analogy in itself has its limitations. This analogy is very good and it's very strong as far as giving us the image as the vine and the branches and it demonstrates the fact of us being connected and how we need to be connected to God and being connected to Jesus Christ. But this analogy falls short whenever it begins to deal with the love factor and the fact that this part of us abiding in the vine and being the branch of the vine and being in, and getting our nourishment from the vine there's more to it than just simply that. And Jesus changes the terminology and changes the language for us in verse 9. In verse 9 it begins and it says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. So it's no longer talking about a branch that's abiding within the vine or a branch that's abiding in the vine producing fruit, but now it is talking about love. And it says that the love that the Father has for me, I give it to you. Remain in me. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love, I have told you these things so that you will be, so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Your joy will overflow. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. You are my friend if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I call you friend, for you, I call you friend, for everything that I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last 
and so that will and so that whatever you ask in my name the father will give you this is my command love each other so Jesus here in this passage of scripture has changed that terminology and has turned it from just simply abiding in the vine to now saying that the love that my Father has for me, I now give you that love. And then he goes further than that, and in verse 15, we see that in verse 15, he says, you're no longer a servant, but you are my friend. I call you my friend. Why does he call us, or call the disciples, his friend? The scripture says because they know everything that he knows. God has taught Jesus Christ what to say and has told him what to say and how to live. And he has shown that to his disciples. And because of that, they are now friends. Because of that, we are now able to have a relationship with God the Father because of Jesus Christ and because of his obedience to God. So, in the Old Testament, there's a dream about a ladder. And in that ladder, in that dream, in the, on that ladder, the angels are going from heaven to earth and from earth to heaven. In John chapter 1, verse 51, in John chapter 1, verse 51, it tells us this. It says, Then he said, I tell you the truth, you will see heaven open and the angels of God coming down or going up and coming down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. Now, first of all, that word on could be to, could be translated as to. So the angels were going up and down to the Son of Man. And by doing that, we find here in the first chapter of John that Jesus Christ is fulfilling the dream from the Old Testament that is showing the angels going down uh, you know, to earth and coming back up to heaven. And Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and as the Holy Spirit and as the angels are coming down and teaching Jesus Christ and ministering to Jesus Christ, we find that they are doing exactly the same thing for Jesus here as Jesus is doing what? It says that Jesus has shown, it says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Therefore, the Father, God, has shown Jesus what love is, and therefore Jesus is able to love his disciples. And Jesus taught his disciples. And then we also look and we can see here that in Jesus teaching his disciples, each one of his disciples, except for John, died a martyrdom's death. In other words, they gave their life for the gospel. They did exactly what Jesus is talking about here, as in no one does anything greater for their friend than to lay down their life. 
Jesus Christ laid his life down for the disciples. Jesus Christ laid his life down for us so that we would be able to experience the love of God the Father. And the love of God the Father is the love that Jesus Christ has shown to the disciples. That is the love that, li that lives and that is within us as Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit lives within us. I, can, I, I kind of feel that I got a little bit more excited about studying this than, than, you know, than where y'all are this morning. But this is awesome. You know, this is Jesus Christ fulfilling Old Testament. This is Jesus Christ taking what the Father has given to him and giving it to the disciples. But also on the day of Pentecost, he gave it to everyone here on this earth that was willing to receive the Holy Spirit. Wow. God, through Jesus Christ, taught the disciples how to love. And then through the Holy Spirit teaches us how to love. In teaching us how to love, there's a word that's in here that I want us to look at, and I think it's really fascinating. From verse 9... I think it's from verse 9, or I might have went up to verse 4. In between verses 4 and 17, the word remain is in, that pa or in those passages of Scripture nine different times. So I think that we need to look at that word remain and say, okay, maybe that's an important word for me to grab a hold to. For us to do this and for us to truly live this life that God has for us, we must remain in Him. How do we remain in Him? It says, by obeying His commands. I think it's really interesting for us because in this particular passage of Scripture, it talks about God's commandments, that Jesus Christ followed all of God's commandments, and we are supposed to follow the commandments that Jesus Christ gives to us. Plural. But then it turns into a singular, and he says that you need to follow my command in loving each other. If you look at it and think Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And what does he say? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And the second one is unto this, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he goes and says that all of the law hinge upon these. Wow. So that would mean that love is pretty important. The love of the Father to the Son, the love of the Son to the disciples, and the love of Jesus Christ and God by sending the Holy Spirit to this earth on Pentecost so that we would be able to have that right relationship with Him, so we would be able to experience the same love that Jesus Christ experienced whenever He was here on this earth. There should be amens ringing out across this sanctuary. It's because of Jesus Christ and that love that we have. It's because of that. And I want you to see this 
whenever we think about this, or at least whenever I think about this, and I went in and I did some studies on this, and we know that the disciples periodically made claims that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. But we also know that the Son of God and the Messiah that they were looking for was not the Messiah that Jesus Christ actually came to this earth to be, right? And we even see that whenever Judas, uh, you know, betrayed Jesus and sold him to, uh, you know, the, uh, the Pharisees and the, the religious leaders, the reason why he did it was so that he could force Jesus into taking control and becoming the king and the ruler that they thought he was supposed to be. He was supposed to come in and wipe out the Roman government. He was supposed to come in and destroy the Roman government and the Israelites would reign on earth in peace forever. That was the kingdom. That was who Jesus Christ was supposed to be. Can I let you then, in studying and thinking through this, the disciples never really understood who Jesus Christ was fully until Pentecost Sunday. Because that's when they were given the knowledge from God through His Spirit. There were still some of those things, you know, because, uh, you know, I remember and I think back this morning to, uh, you know, the message that I preached the week after, uh, you know, Easter Sunday, and the disciples were still in that locked room after they had seen the resurrected Savior. They were still behind locked doors. They didn't truly understand the whole scope of what Jesus Christ had done and why he had done it until the fulfillment of the promise of the Holy Spirit coming to us. All of those things are nice and they're they're all really interesting for us. But in verse 15, there's something that I want us to look at, and I want us to see this. In verse 15, it says that we're, we're no longer called servants. We're no longer servants, but we're now friends of Jesus Christ. And we're friends of Jesus Christ because He has given us the message. He has taught us everything that... God the Father had taught us. We've received the Holy Spirit, or if we have been saved and sanctified, we have received the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is living in us. And remember, one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to teach us. The Holy Spirit is a comforter. The Holy Spirit is to provide for us. The Holy Spirit is to convict us of our sins. The Holy Spirit is to show us God's righteousness. But the Holy Spirit is also supposed to give us peace that passes all understanding. It is supposed to teach us the things that God needs for us to know. The things that He needs for us to do. As it leads us and as it guides us and directs us. We're children of God because of the Holy Spirit living within us. Because we have believed in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We are friends. 
as soon as Jesus says that they're friends, he says, but I chose you. You didn't choose me. It's interesting how Jesus brings this back up. Jesus wants his disciples to know that you have the same knowledge that I have readily available because you have the Holy Spirit that's living within you. He's telling us this. He says, but in showing his authority and complete authority, there's no way that we could have that knowledge if it wasn't for him. There's absolutely no way that we can have the knowledge that Jesus Christ is talking about if we have not received him as our Lord and Savior. His authority is what he's showing and what he's talking about here. So we see this and we get this understanding that we find ourselves in this relationship with Jesus Christ. There's four things that we receive because of this relationship with Jesus Christ. The first thing that we see or that we receive from this relationship with Jesus Christ, it's pretty obvious for us, it's that we receive knowledge. In our relationship with Jesus Christ, we receive knowledge. It says because of that knowledge that we received, we are friends. So it's that relationship. So there again, we deal with this relationship and we deal with that word that he says in here that talks about remain in me. But it also says that we need to obey his commands. If we remain in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ remains in us, then we will obey his commands. It's just like going back to the passage of Scripture prior to that. If we as, as branches remain in the vine, we will produce fruit. Right? It says remain in the vine and you will produce fruit. The responsibility of the producing the fruit is not the responsibility of the branch, but the responsibility of the vine. I also found it interesting this week that the branches that are actually severed, the gardener comes in and prunes the branches and throws them to the side. Those branches that he severs are not the branches that don't produce fruit, but those are the branches that have rejected the vine. Those are the branches that although they're still on there, for some reason they are rejecting the nourishment from the vine and they are already dying. And he'll come by and he'll clip them off. My nephew, my brother's son, got into an accident about seven, eight years ago. Really bad accident. And he had both of his, break, both of his legs broken and he has extensive uh, you know, metal in his body. For the last two weeks, his body has possibly been rejecting that metal. So as we look at that and as we think about this, uh, you know, there's a vine or there, we can be a vine that is, or a branch that is grafted into the vine that eventually will reject the vine. Don't know why we would reject the vine, but it doesn't. 
their organs that are transplanted into people that eventually, at some point in time, can reject the body that it's been transplanted into. We have to remain or and abide or obey the commands of God in this relationship. And as we do this and as we have this knowledge that we have, we obey the commandments of God. But we also the, obey the command that Jesus Christ gives us and that we love one another. The other thing that we receive from this relationship with Jesus Christ is intimacy. Jesus Christ is inviting us into a relationship not only with Him, but with the Father. And also not only with the Father, but also with the Holy Spirit. And this is an intimate relationship that is one-on-one. This is, an instrument, this is an intimate relationship that is designed for each individual. This is not a relationship that we're talking about for the church as a whole. But as the body of Christ, we are part of the whole. But this is the fact that Jesus Christ came to this earth to die for Susan, to die for Sam, to die for Marcus, to to be there and to, to love and this relationship and this friendship is for you. It's for all the Wandas out there in the world. It's for all the Steves and all the Ricks and all the Johns. It's individual. This is a relationship that is designed for you. It is intimate. And the only way that you can have an intimate relationship is is that if you remain with that person and in that person. In our relationship with Jesus Christ, we have to remain in the Word of God. We have to continue to study and to read the Word of God. I believe we have to continue to go to church. I believe we have to continue to be around like-minded people. We have to be with people that love Jesus Christ so that they can help us and so that they can teach us and so that they can help us to be stronger within that relationship. Another thing that we find within this relationship is that we find unity. And we find unity because God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit do nothing without each other. The Holy Spirit doesn't do something that is contrary to what God the Father would want to do. Jesus Christ never said anything that God the Father did not tell him to say. There is unity within the body of Christ. And there is unity within the friendship and the relationship that he is talking about today. That he is bringing us and calling us to. In this relationship, we also find joy. The joy that we find is not happiness. The joy that we find is something that we can only receive from Jesus Christ. It says that Jesus Christ received joy from his Father. 
And the joy that he received from his father was the knowledge of knowing that his father was always there. That his father was always in control. Regardless of the struggles, regardless of the fact that Jesus knew that he was going to die on a cross, that whenever he began his ministry at the age of 30, that he knew that he was going to die on the cross. That even before that, whenever he first came to the knowledge of understanding, that he knew that he would be rejected by his own people. He knew that he would die on the cross. But he also knew that he would die on the cross to save each and every one of us from our sins. As Jesus Christ was rejected throughout his life and the struggles that that came with, he still had joy. Even though he told the disciples of John the Baptist that I don't have a place to lay my head, why are you coming with me? He still had joy. Even whenever he heard the news that his friend Lazarus had died and was buried in the tomb, he still had joy because he knew that God the Father was in control. Our joy today on this earth comes from the fact that we know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And that we know that the Holy Spirit that He sent to live with us and to live within us is guiding us and protecting us and providing for our every step. God is still in control. That is the joy that we live in. This morning, we're no longer slaves. We've been set free. By the knowledge of Jesus Christ and by the love of God the Father that he gave to his son, that he taught to us through scripture and for the Holy Spirit that now lives within us and that guides and directs our every step. We have that relationship. (laughs) We have knowledge, we have intimacy, we have unity with God the Father. And because of that, we have joy in our lives. I know that it's difficult. You know, this pandemic and this, uh, you know, stay at home or, uh, you know, you're in all this safe space that we're supposed to be having, it's difficult. It's hard for me. I left the house three times yesterday. I actually went and did laundry at the laundromat yesterday. I wore my mask, but I had to get out of the house and do laundry. Man, I hate laundry. But I did laundry so I could get out of the house. I went and sat in the park yesterday and enjoyed the beautiful sunshine for two, three hours. Reading and studying about God's joy. It's difficult for us to understand because we get it confused with happiness. And I'm getting off the topic. I'm supposed to be closing this message for you this morning because of this relationship that we have through Jesus Christ. 
This relationship that we have is, is special. But it only comes to us if we receive Him as our Lord and Savior. If we acknowledge Him as the Son of God. This morning, if you have never acknowledged Jesus Christ as the Son of God, today is your opportunity. All you have to do is just bow your heads or just simply where you are, just ask for forgiveness. Tell God that you believe in His Son. Ask Him to come into your life and begin to follow His teachings. Go to the Gospel of John and read it. For those that have received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit is there. Ready and willing to guide and to direct every step in our life. All you have to do is receive the Holy Spirit this morning. Receive that and that intimate relationship with Him. Let us stand as we bow our heads. Let me pray a prayer of benediction. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, dear Lord, so much for this day. God, I thank you for the words that you have given to us. God, I pray, dear Lord, that your face would shine upon us. And God, that your blessings from heaven will be poured out on each one that is here. In Jesus' name, amen. As you're leaving, there are boxes that's in the uh, foyer for your offering. If you could just drop it in those offering plates or in those boxes, that would be great. All right. Thank you. God bless.